Cold Cans Nation, this episode, we're doing something a little bit twisted. Twisted. We're talking to head brewer of Pyramid Brewing Company, Ryan Pappy. Pappy. <laughs> who brought us three beers, all very much related, uh, to, to taste and to analyze, and which we'll rank at the very end. Uh, a little bit twisted because we're finally at the end of 2017 in the very last episode. The Cold Cans boys are going to sit down and learn something about beer. All right, today we're joined by Ryan Pappy, the head brewer at Pyramid Brewing Company here in Seattle. Thank you for, for joining us, Ryan. It's great to have you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. So why don't you start off by just giving us a little brief history of, of your history in beer brewing and where you got started and how you ended up in Seattle. I started out after I graduated from college, uh, moved into the house with a bunch of friends and started home brewing as a hobby mm-hmm. uh, and caught that bug and uh, did that for almost six years and about halfway through thought, you know, this is pretty cool. I'd, I'd like to do this for a job. This is better than sitting behind a desk in an office. <laughs> right. Um, I, I made some friends and uh, tried to find my way into the industry. And the first job opportunity I got was to be an assistant brewer for a buddy that had moved to Cleveland, Ohio and was brewing. So I uh, picked up and moved across the countryside unseen to Cleveland, uh, which is not uh, (laughs) the normal path people take for sure. Right. Um, But it was, it was a good adventure. And uh, I spent a year and a half there brewing on two different uh, brew pub systems. And then uh, my wife and I wanted to get back to the Northwest. uh, So we moved back to Washington and spent a year at Dick's Brewing down in Centralia. Okay. And then uh, from there, I got back to Pyramid and have been there since. I've been there just over nine years. Wow. Nice. So we, we've, on this show, we've kind of like dug deep into how different breweries that we were, were drinking started. And we've seen, when you mentioned this, I thought about it, we've seen like a ton of people who've started their brewery by like peaking their interest through home brewing. Is that common yeah. like in the profession? And if so, like how does it translate? How how does that leap go when you go from little single batch whatever home brewing in your garage to a real like production company? Yeah, that's uh that's it, it both perfectly translated and also doesn't translate at all. <laughs> in that the science is exactly the same. You're doing the same process whether you're doing it in your basement or you're doing it in a giant beer factory. Uh, the difference is really kind of the industrial professional scale where you're dealing with pumps and chemicals and pressure and very very expensive equipment and mm. uh, there's just a lot more engineering and a lot more uh, well and also the necessity of uh, high quality and consistent uh, beer being put out is is a big part of being a professional that uh, isn't so important as a home brewer. Right. Um, but, and I, I think most most brewers I work with started as home brewers. Wow. Um, it's 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 a great hobby. It's a great way to start and a great way to learn about beer. Um, 
Sure. In the long run, whether it saves you any money, probably not. Because <laughs> once you catch the bug, you just want to buy more equipment and you want to make it more complicated. Yeah. And but it's it's uh I once I haven't really done much since I became professional. I had to leave all my equipment behind when I moved to Cleveland, and now mm. you know I'm in a brewery all day, so I don't want to give up my weekends. Sure. <laughs> necessarily do it some more, but um, it's still. It's it, it, the the freedom of it is still very appealing as a as a professional. Yeah, and like the like the creativity to it, like you said, you, there's maybe more rigid standards for quality, but you the reason you fell in love, like you, you don't need to bring the home brewing kit back out in the garage in the weekends. You're doing that all day, and that's that's really cool. I, we've talked a lot about it on the show about sort of trying to find your passion and and yeah. being able to do what you love, and just the story of doing it as a hobby and then expanding that to doing what you love full-time is is awesome. It's just cool to see that there's so many breweries that start that way. Oh, yeah. And and I think uh, most, if not all, brewers have have that drive and passion and that, uh, I don't know, they're just, they're addicted to making beer because it, there's, right. that's got to be the reason because there's it's it's not the easiest job. It's, it's a lot of cleaning. It's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of physical labor. And honestly, you're not going to make make the money you're going to make if you were, say, into, you know, computers or sure. financial or, you know. Uh, so it's 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 got to be a, a passion project. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So so you landed, you, you went to Cleveland, started in your garage, go to Cleveland. It's, it looks like in 2008 you landed at uh, in the, under the umbrella of Pyramid. So what, what's kept you there for a decade? Like, why, 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 why pyramid, and and why for for that length of time? Uh, well, um, I, I would say uh, one, I haven't stopped learning new things. I mean, that's what's kept me in the industry in general, and and here at Pyramid specifically is it. it you never stop learning new things. There's always new chat. Whether it's coming up with an the next new beer that we hope people will love to drink or whether it's how do you uh, deal with <laughs> catastrophic problems in a brewery that come when you least expect them and Always. Uh, get into buy new, new research and buy new equipment, whether it's going to a conference and networking and learning new, you know, there's new science being uh, figured out about the brewing process all the time, whether it's yeast or uh, growing new hop varieties and developing new barley strains, learning about how uh, grains are malted, uh, the challenges that the, the farmers have um, growing the ingredients that we then use and then figuring out where the grain, after we're done using it, how we get that to a farmer to, to use. I mean, it just it, it's endlessly fascinating, and that, that keeps me totally engaged. And then over the years, as I've sort of moved up, in the uh, hierarchy in the brewery um, that just brings with it new challenges and new opportunities to learn and new responsibilities, which are always good and bad, but um, right. you know, and it's, uh, I, I know at our brewery, we take a lot of pride in the fact that we work at uh, one of the really formative first craft breweries in the Northwest and really, which means really in the country. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of history there that brings with it, extra challenges because it's not necessarily uh, a brewery that's been around the longest that everyone's curious about and, and gets talked about a lot in the current craft beer market. But mm-hmm. um, 
still keeps us uh, fascinated and, and motivated. Right. So we've talked on the show a little bit. You, you mentioned th- this craft beer market and what keeps your curiosities peaked to the new science that's being sort of unraveled and new technologies being invented. As as two uh, absolute amateurs in the beer industry and we're kind of we're trying to learn all the time. We've thought about this concept of beer that's been around since whatever, the, basically the, the dawn of man. We've had beer for hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years. And, you know, as we look at the business side of things for all of the beers that we're trying on this podcast, we see that, like, if it's a craft brewery, if it's something like Pyramid, that's and we'll get to these three beers in just a minute that we're drinking, but if it's something like that, it, it started either in the 80s or, like, sort of just after that there's the the evolution maybe was the last 20 30 years or so where this like craft beer industry really from an economic standpoint just exploded it seemed like so like in your opinion what why like why the last 20 years for a product that has been around since again like since mankind for the last 200 years yeah i uh, i think that it's uh i mean there's there's a there's many ways to look at it. Uh, I, historically, uh, we in this country, and I think probably most parts of the world that beer is the the standard go-to drink, uh, historically, every town, village, center of community had a brewery. Um, it was only with the Industrial Revolution that we started thinking of beer as something that needed to get shipped you know that oh hey everyone needs to drink our beer no uh, for 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 most of human history people just drank what was made where they lived right. with what they grew and sort of took on the tastes that people there liked and that's why the beer here tastes different from the beer over there right um, and really with prohibition and the temperance movement really squashed all that down you know, uh, a lot of breweries closed and then prohibition ends. And what's left are the people that could afford to stay in the game after not being able to make beer for, you know, a decade or so. Um, right. And so uh, it got so industrial and sort of homogenized and really boring. Um, I think it was only a matter of time before people relearned that, hey, there's there's more to this. There's flavor. There's sense of uh, sort of the local terroir or you know, hey, we make we grow barley here. Let's let's drink beer made with our barley. Hey, we got all these hops. Let's throw them in and see what that does. Right. You know, uh, with craft beer started by kind of looking to Europe and seeing what you know people drink in England and Germany and Belgium. And hey, let's try that. That's crazy weird stuff. And now we've gone so head over heels for it that all of those traditional beer making cultures are looking at the U.S. and starting to copy what we do. So uh, it's it's just it's a it's a crazy time because we've kind of gone full circle and we're back to yeah every town has a brewery again right. if not five and uh, you know it, we're it's kind of the golden age where you can get beer from all over the world but you can also drink beer from thirty different breweries in the town you live in yeah um, no that's awesome like that and you can we've talked about kind of that localization like we live in such a global society where communication is is extremely easy we have our smartphones and laptops but with that sort of 
ease of communication, we kind of sometimes lose our sense of locality because we can go yeah. and chat with anybody anywhere at any time. And on Amazon, I could order literally anything I could imagine <laughs> in two hours, a drone drops it off of my head. And like kind of embracing that locality is, it's cool that, to hear that, that the industry's gone full circle because that's a, it does seem to be a sweet spot, golden age. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And here in the Northwest, we're, we seem to, I think one reason we've kicked off, sort of led the, the craft beer revolution, if you will, is, is uh, we're, we're out here on the edge of things in this big country. And, and conveniently enough, we grow most of the barley and the hops right here. And so they're local for us. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, whether it's uh, beer or whether it's craft distilling or uh, winemaking, cheesemaking, bakeries, uh, chocolatiers, coffee, for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it seems to be something in, in the spirit of where we live that uh, has, I think, helped kick it off a little faster here. But the fact that it's, I mean, you can go to Iowa or uh, Alabama or Florida or Maine, and you're still going to find breweries everywhere and more opening all the time. So it's, it's clearly just the right time to, to return to that, that way of being. And, yeah, I think that that with, with how global and instant everything is, uh, something that you can't, you know, you can't, you can take a picture of your beer and send it to somebody, but you kind of have to be there to drink it and yeah. experience it really understand what it's all about yeah totally put you put you where you're at yeah yeah pay attention a little bit where i'm at right now is sitting here with a pyramid snowcap winter ale in my hands (laughs) i know waiting to be opened he's just trembling to open this thing i have been licking my lips waiting (laughs) to open this thing all right (laughs) so we're going to crack open so the listeners should know uh we were uh, very kindly provided three giant bottles, uh, one pint, six fluid ounce bottles, 650 milliliters of pyramid snowcap sort of line. Um, so we're yeah. starting with the pyramid snowcap, uh, winter ale. We're moving to the pyramid bourbon ba- barrel aged snowcap imperial winter ale. And we're finishing with the pyramid brewers reserve super imperial winter ale, um, also of the snowcap line. So we're starting with the basics. Cheers. Cheers. Uh- Cheers. Uh, so, so first of all, I would say you should have the super snowcap and then the barrel aged uh, to get the the right progression of flavors here. Okay. Oh, we can do uh, the the snowcap first, the original first. So, snowcap first, and okay. then super snowcap, which is the Brewers Reserve. Okay, and then the barrel aged third. Nice. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll have to talk about why that progression t- yeah. is as we as yeah. we move. Um, so just the, the pure pyramid snowcap winter ale, what makes this beer, this beer? So this is kind of a cool beer because in this, in this, uh, day and age where, uh, people are generally drinking the newest, coolest thing. Um, this is our 31st year of making snowcap. Oh, wow. It has been around. It is, it is, it's like one of the examples of a, of a of a northwest winter ale um it's not the only one there's there's uh there's a few that have stood the test of time and we're really sort of proud that this that this one has has held its own all these years uh it is you know at at uh 31 years old is this has been i haven't been drinking long enough to uh 
<laughs> to tell you why it's like this originally. But um, from my point of view, it's inspired by uh, sort of English style uh, winter warmers, yep. um, definitely with a with a northwest twist. So it's it's a pretty simple recipe. It's uh, pale malt and caramel malt and chocolate malt. Mm, okay. Um, Can I ask you what winter? Alcohol, which, yeah. What what does winter so, warmer mean? Does that does that refer to the the alcohol content more so than other things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it means it's going to be a little heartier. It's going to be a little higher alcohol. Um, Got it. I mean, you're not you're not going to see. I, I guess you'll see more now. But even at seven percent, which is how strong this is, that was very strong 31 years ago for a mm, beer. Sure, people were not drinking. You know, over five was was what people expected beer to be. So seven was pushing the limits. Now that doesn't seem like anything, but it right. still <laughs> it still has a, <clears throat> with the chocolate and the caramel in there. It's it's still a sort of a satisfying cold weather beer. And you know, here where it's gray and rainy all the time, or maybe you get. <laughs> go up to the mountains and you're skiing and you're in the snow all day or even if you're just at home (laughs) and it's you know enjoying the netflix or whatever it's it's a very satisfying beer to drink um chocolate notes caramel a little bit uh of hoppiness more more sort of uh woody herbal hops not the the spicy citrusy resiny stuff yeah like we get in a lot of our northwest beers now smelling it it i it smells like so you you mentioned that like woody. That's the first thing I got when I smelled mm-hmm. it. But then taste it, you get more of the caramel and sort chocolate, of the chocolate. Yeah. But chocolate. when I smelled yeah. it, I was like, this might be hard alcohol if you just put this in front of my nose because it has that like woody like sort of Woodford Reserve touch to the top of it. But it's really good. Like yeah, you, you don't yeah. need a fireplace like this. with this thing. It's, it builds a fireplace <laughs> oh, no, in you it's... as you drink it. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. So now, so at thirty one years, we're just we're just uh, keeping this this thing going it, it you know yeah, that's even awesome. though we've been making it for years. 31 years i'd say we get better at it every year so uh <laughs> we do our best nice that's well awesome. your best is delicious so very good keep at it for 31 more so now on head brewer's recommendation we're moving to the pyramid brewer's reserve super snow cap imperial winter ale yeah so why why so this, this progression one, yeah so this was uh we first made this, I want to say, seven or eight years ago, and we've been making it for uh, ever since we first came out with it. We've been doing it every year, but just uh, small batch, draft only, to serve in our alehouse. Um, and starting last year with the 30th anniversary, we actually put it in in bottles and put it out for for a wider distribution so people could try it. And and really, it's just uh, an imperial version of snowcap so we just sort of amped everything up mm-hmm. it's 8.7 percent mm-hmm. um it has a little bit of more alcohol uh sort of spiciness in the flavor and it's got the same ingredients but the proportions are tweaked just a little bit so it's similar but especially when you taste them side by side it's it, it's fun to see how they express themselves a little differently you can see it, it, it the, in the beer. It's it's like you can't see through this beer at all. It's totally no, opaque. It's, yeah. it's definitely darker. Uh, it's it's a little a uh, little heavier. Little, I don't know. Uh, um, I get less hops out of it. Um, the the bitterness isn't is is there, but it it doesn't have quite the the, the hop. No, yeah, spicy flavor. Um, it so it's got more of that sort of rounded coffee chocolate roast 
Coffee for caramel sure. flavor. Both of our eyes lit up when you said coffee because it does have that. That yeah. that's I think what I was looking for too. Yeah, it's yeah, it's much smoother. It's it's a. Uh, I mean, the first one yeah. was 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 delicious, and and this just yeah, like you said, kind of smooths edges out, and yeah, man, eight point seven. A little more luxurious. <laughs> yes, yeah. that is a good way to put it. The Brewers Reserve. Okay, so moving on, man. That I could. These are definitely the, the we we do a segment where yeah. we we talk about uh, sipability or sessionability. Sessionability meaning if we're drinking a Bud Light and you just want to drink, you know, fifteen of them to get drunk in a tailgate. Sipability meaning you know your 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 winter warmers. Yeah, you're um, it a little bit. God, I would love to sip these. <laughs> and you poured these, yeah. Nick. You were pouring these into I our poured cup. a bit heavy. You poured a bit heavy. <laughs> we had to get through these, and now I'm. I'm turning these into sessionable beers, which they well, don't deserve. Well, I feel great. To be. I pounded them, and I feel great. <laughs> I, they, they are delicious. <laughs> you were feeling uh, merry and bright. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Moving on to the uh, bourbon barrel aged snow cap, and this this is a beautiful bottle, by the way. Yeah, this is my favorite uh, it is. design I label. Love the. I love the. That's wonderful. Look of the bottle. Yeah. So so why uh, is this the third one? So this one's because it's even stronger. Uh, okay. Really. Um, <laughs> So, so this is also, so we first came out with this last year as well for the 30th anniversary of Snowcap, and it was so good. We had to come out with it again. Um, basically, we've taken um, Snowcap, aged it in uh, bourbon barrels for a year, oh, wow. and then blended it back in with some fresh super Snowcap to uh, bring the alcohol down to a nice even 10%. <laughs> oh, boy. Bring it down to 10%. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's, uh, so you, you you've got that nice base of the snowcap and super snowcap, um, and with the age on the on the snowcap, that really really softens things and rounds out the 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 malt flavors. But then you've got that bourbon note, which adds this really nice. Yeah, I mean it's bourbon. It smells yeah. smells like bourbon, but it, it's it's almost like a uh, it's got notes of like me of like bourbon chocolate milk. When you're drinking it, you've got those chocolate notes, a little bit of roastiness, but everything's kind of soft and creamy and, and that nice bright vanilla and oat bourbon floating on top of everything. Yeah. This, this wow. is, this is the nightcap. This is, this <laughs> is, you, you want to finish here cause you just want to, you want to sip on it, enjoy it and. You yeah, won't forget anything else you're supposed to do after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. This should be yeah, in a log cabin with a nice robe on and some like leather chair, mm-hmm. and you're swirling it like a bourbon. That that is exactly what oh. this is. I by the way, the last the last beer, I was like, look, you can't even see through it. This thing is like staring into the abyss. This this will answer back if you stare at it long enough. <laughs> this is really good. And I'll mention you poured yourself a little hefty pour there after complaining about my heavy pours. <laughs> you give yourself a full glass of the yeah, strongest well, one. We got well as soon as he said yeah well, i don't know the progression i also took to mean like I, the pleasure i'm going to get out of it and this mm. third one i wanted to make sure i didn't get short <laughs> but 10 percent, yeah, yeah i'm going to be on my ass if i if i drink this whole thing um <laughs> uh, very oh, cool those are all delicious they, yeah, they really were great. we we would say this if the head brewer for pyramid wasn't on the line like they really really yeah, are they were tasty good. beverages um so the segment we wanted to get to, so normally around this point of the podcast, so normally we, we'll drink a full beer um, around a th- half to two-thirds of the way down. We'll get to a segment we call Parable or Terrible, and oh, that's yes. where we eat something with the beer, and we'll describe like whether that's a good pairing for that particular beer or not. We don't have anything to eat today, 
But as the head brewer, if you were sitting down, pick any one of these. I mean, they are kind of a spectrum from one another. Is there anything off the top of mind that you'd recommend to chomp down on? I mean, this last one was a meal in and of itself, but uh, is there any sort of food recommendations you have with this type of beer? Uh, well, here's here's how I'm going to frame it, especially if you are lucky enough to have all three beers available. Um, I would almost say that you, if you're having like a holiday feast, you pair snow cap with the meal. I think it's going to go good with with any meat. It's going to go good with any roasted vegetables. It's going to go. It's going to hold its own. It's going to add some flavor. It's definitely going to keep you lubricated as you're, you know, feasting with family and friends. Sure. Keep everyone jolly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It's uh, with especially with the bitterness. It's going to help clear your palate between bites and between sips and keep you going. And then when you move to dinner, I mean, I'm sorry, dessert. That's where you bring in the super snow cap and that that little extra oomph, a little little richer body, that's going to pair great with your, your chocolate cake or your pie and ice cream. And then, of course, after the food's put away and you're just digesting, that's when you go to the barrel-aged stuff and you just sip on that. It doesn't need food. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. That... That, that's that's the picture that I, I like to paint in my mind with ideal ideal settings if that doesn't get you through the holidays i don't know what will you <laughs> oh know? yeah absolutely <laughs> a, trifecta. a three-course meal of a spectrum of one beer that's perfection for the holidays oh, love uh, it. that's great yeah it's it, this beer I'm, I'm still sipping <laughs> that is parable indeed uh with anything uh so i'm still sipping this beer i i was peeking at the beer advocate score so the next kind of segment <laughs> we do is we'll look at, at how these beers fare in beer advocate and my head's up, and I don't want to get you in trouble at all as the, the head brewer, but both of us are a bit dubious of how Beer Advocate scores because the the uh, the scores are generally reflected as the public score first, and then the, the beer, beer Advocate bros give bring in another score after that. And mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we've... We're amateurs for sure, but we've we've noticed some strange trends with Beer Advocate. In any case, we wanted to get your thoughts on... on just beer reviewing in general, the culture around it, like the, the people who come and, and are kind of building this for a living, including Beer Advocate, you know, how do you, how do you feel with, with how that is represented? Uh, I would say, just, I, I, I think it's a necessary evil. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think it's great to have an outlet for people that are obsessed with beer and drink beer and think about beer and talk about beer. That they have an an outlet to express their opinions and and keep track of what they're what they've tasted and and uh, you know and see what's great on the other side of the country that you can't get. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the as as especially as a larger brewery. Um, that the the people that review beers on Beer Advocate and the other uh, beer reviewing websites, they tend to be the vocal minority. Mm. Ah, yeah. Uh, I think if you're, especially if you're a smaller brewery and and you've got a beer that everyone loves on that site, that's 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 awesome. That's going to help you out a lot. You're going to stay in business. Um, whether we get a great review or a poor review, it it doesn't necessarily correlate very well with how well the beer actually sells. Mm, interesting. Um, so you know, for us, we we need to we need to judge our beers on: do we like it? Do we think it's good? And is it selling well enough to keep make keep making? Um, you know, we we've got big tanks, big kettles. We make large batches of beer. 
we got to sell all of that. And if it doesn't matter how great it is, if we can only sell half of a batch, it's just not worth making. Um, so I, I guess it comes down to it. The, the calculus is changes according to how big the brewery is and, and how established you are. I sure. think if you get a great review and you're a new brewery that can set you and that can keep you in business for a couple of years while people figure out that, Hey, you do make more than one awesome thing. You make lots of great things or, you know, um, or, or tells you that, Hey, maybe I was going to focus on this and maybe I'll, I'll just slide over here and focus more on this beer that everyone is raving about. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I like that. I like uh, I like the idea of it as like sort of a, a, a necessary evil, and and it's it's definitely to me. I always struggle with the concept of what you said. People deeply passionate about beer, about craft beer, about the brewing process, about everything. To to not sort of look at everything, to look at everything on the spectrum of good or bad, which is the the primary reason beer advocate exists. Like literally, their score is something out of five, and they rate it as good or bad or whatever. To look at it in yeah. that spectrum is just very strange. You wouldn't go to an art museum, be passionate about art, and when you're staring at a painting, you wouldn't say, "Let's look on and rate this from good to bad." Like that doesn't—it just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's—I don't know—it's the wrong viewpoint, in my opinion, to, to to consider something like this. It's it's a spectrum of like how much you enjoy. Or not even enjoy, just uh, it's an appreciation of a thing. I don't know. It's an abstract topic. Yeah. We've talked about it on a couple of episodes, but it's refreshing it, to hear you say yeah, it's it a necessary to get your view on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Outside of Pyramid, if if you're not drinking one of your own beers, you need a respite and you, you want to look at something you, you deeply appreciate outside of your own brewery what are your maybe just two or three like what are your go-to beers and i know it can be situational but if whatever pops to your mind what are some of your favorites i'm i'm really bad at i don't have favorites i don't my on a scale of one to five where would you (laughs) Uh, but me i mean i'm i work with the beer i make all the time right and i also have it pretty readily to hand so um you know, if I go home at night, that's my own beer in the fridge. That's what I'm going to reach for. Right. So every time I get out, uh, you know, I'm unfortunate when I'm once I'm out in public, I I'm like every other beer geek, and that I'm going to order something I've never had before. Right. And I'll probably go, oh yeah, that was okay, or ooh, that's new a new brewery. I want to try their stuff, or ooh, I love those guys. I haven't had that beer yet. Let's try that, or ooh, new hop. Or, oh, I've heard of that. They use this technique. i got to see what that tastes like. Um, so I do the same thing. Every, I, you know, drives me crazy as a brewer because <laughs> um, I want people to, like, love our beer and to just drink our beer all the time. But sure. that's just not how it works anymore. And sure. I don't even do that. So, I, you know, I don't, don't expect other people to either. Gotcha. And, but so so I, I don't have a good answer for you other than uh, whatever, whatever I haven't had yet. Yeah, and, right. So you're curious. Talked about or looks good or. So in that in that ex- time of day, how am I feeling? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, very it situational. situational. It Absolutely. is. It is. That's a big part of our show talking about that. So in that experimentation with the drinking of different beers, how much would you say you get to do that when you're brewing beer? Like, how much do you get to experiment with a new beer versus you know brewing the the go tos that you have that you know sell? How much do you get to kind of experiment and see what else you might be able to make? Um, we do. We, uh, we do as much as we can and I wish it was more because I mean, honestly, the, we, we could sit down, my, my brew team and I could sit down and we could fill two pieces of paper with, uh, 
beer ideas that we would like to try in all the 10 minutes, but uh, we brew one every week or two as we got time. It takes a long time to get through that. So we have more ideas than we have ability to follow through on them. Um, yeah. That being said, it's, you know, that's the fun part of the job. That's the, that's where you get a, get creative and when you're back in the garage, and, right? Uh, yeah. Think outside the box. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's I, I haven't been homebrewing as much, but I've got, I've got some of my brewers that, that, take some some of our beer home and do crazy things with it and then bring it back so we nice. can taste and you know see how it goes and and that and that you know it, there's no wrong answer for where the next great beer idea comes from so we're I love I love that's one of my, what I love working with a, a group of brewers is everyone has a different perspective and has some experience and 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 has the passion and so yeah we're always bringing new ideas to each other and yeah and get inspired that way Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So we, you've given us just an, an incredibly generous amount of your time, and we super appreciate you being on the show. We have one last thing we want to do, and this is kind of a daunting challenge, but I just want to get your your general thoughts on this. So the premise okay. of this show that we do is we're, we're, we're setting out to drink kind of like what you've been talking about. We're experimenting with new beers, but we're also drinking mass market beers. We're drinking Miller Lights and stuff like that. And we're talking about life and culture around that type of beer. Why are people drinking what they're drinking? So I wanted to read you. We have 39 episodes. Out. This is our 39th episode. We'll rank uh, these beers in, in, in our list. But our, we wanted to read you our current top 10 uh, beers we've drank so far. And we have not done a pyramid beer, so there's no, this is all non-pyramid, but this is, these are our first pyramid beers that we've done on the show. So this is our current top 10. And the thing that I'm asking you, is if you can like pick it, it good or bad pick one of these at the top 10 that you think is is sort of misranged whether it's not high enough whether it shouldn't be in the top 10 which I don't I'm not asking you to trash anybody that's in there um, or whether that you just don't know much about it and and you're interested in it and even that would be good for us cuz we've at least piqued your interest so here are the yeah, top 10s sure. cool so this is the top 10 from 10 to 1 the rankings uh, uh, from our podcast. So again, mix of okay. mass market beers and and like craft beers so far. So number ten, okay. Sam Adams Boston Lager. Nine is Kona Longboard. Eight is Deschutes Swivelhead Red. Seven is Old Rasputin. Six is Rodenbach Grand Cru. Five is Red Hawk Red Hook ESB. Four is Elysian Night Owl Pumpkin Ale. Three is Spotted Cow, so Wisconsin beer. Two is Session Premium Lager, and number one so far is Lagunitas Nighttime Ale. So that is our current top 10. What like what made you jump in that top 10? Oh, man. Um, so it's a quality list. Oh, thank uh, you. I can't, I, and I haven't had all of those, had most of them. Um, uh, I would say the one that stood out to me is the Rodenbach. Mm. And that's just because that's, that's a like a worldwide classic beer. Yeah. You know, I, I I have all the love and the respect for for our local craft beers, and we make a lot of great beer here. And and Spotted Cow from uh, Wisconsin's great. Um, You've had that one. Is clear like world. I, I have had Spotted Cow. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Um, Spotted Cow. I should just give uh, you a heads up. Is ranked so highly because part of these rankings are subjective and that was what was served at my wife and I's wedding. So we, Oh, 
It's just yeah, a soft yeah. spot and in your heart. And that's an important part that you can't separate when you're tasting <laughs> beers. That's right. But Absolutely. The, like a lot of my favorite beers, it's not, I mean, they're, they're great on their own, but like I first got into beer after I like really got into beer after graduating from college and like spent some time drinking in Ireland. So I like, Oh yeah. Mm. That time I had nine pints of Guinness, but <laughs> it hurt the next day, but that was lovely. And then yeah. drinking, drinking any beer in Prague. Oh, so yeah. good. So good. It's like, Oh, but, uh, so same sort of thing. Rodenbach is, is uh kind of up on a pedestal for me. Okay. It's, sure. it's so, just so unique and and they've got their own process with with aging and blending and sour and it's mm. it's a it's a people that don't know a lot about beer like are can't quite wrap their minds around what they're tasting. Yeah. So absolutely. We them, uh, we we got some listener feedback that echoed exactly what you said. Like they people basically mistook it for wine because it was so different mm-hmm. from what they were used to yeah. tasting. And yeah, it, it was a delicious beer that I think some subjectivity got in in the way of. But in terms of quality, yeah, that's right up there with anything that we've done on this show. Um, but literally, legitimately, so is this this uh, pyramid burble, bourbon barrel aged snowcap. Like I'm still, I filled it up it's again. Real good. It, it's really really yeah. good. <laughs> so. Don't let it go to waste. Got to get it, get all of it. <laughs> oh, it will oh, not will. go to waste. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for your time. Yes. We we very much appreciate oh. the generous amount of time you spent with us. It's been my pleasure. I've loved talking with you guys. Well, there you heard it, folks. That was Ryan Pappy of Pyramid Brewing, the head brewer over there, giving us a lot of insight on beer. And the brewing industry in general. Yeah, we're a little bit nervous to do the the podcast, yeah. but it it was insightful. Once those snow caps started flowing, I felt oh. much better. I don't and know about you, Joe. We should say so. As we were drinking through those, we poured a little bit into the cup, and since then we have drank what two and a half of them now. Yeah, <laughs> of those of giant these... one pint bottles, and we'll yeah. we'll, well bigger than a pint, right? Yeah, one pint six fluid ounces. We'll post the pictures uh, on our various social media websites, but. Who doggy do those get to you? They hit you. And so the last thing we have to do on this show, and the last thing we have to do before the end of 2017 hey. is rank this beer. Reflecting back on 2017, is there anything you uh, you can muse on? Anything, anything that sticks out to you, Nick? Well, I've loved doing this podcast, Joe. Oh. It's, been, it's been fun. Oh. <laughs> Genuine from both sides there. No, the podcast no, has been fun. It has. And of course, we're only going to talk about things that relate to Cold Cans Nation. And I guess I've really been astounded by the number of people who have like responded to this thing yep. we're doing. Yep. And the support we've gotten from them, whether it's t shirts, koozies, whatever, trying to spread the word. Beers from Pyramid Brewing. Beers from Pyramid Brewing, Seattle Zone. Um it's it's been really awesome. Yeah. It's been great to see that take off. It really has. I'm looking forward to the New Year's re rankings. The power mm. hour we're about to do will be the next episode. Uh, that was your favorite thing in 2017 is looking at 2018. <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite thing was starting this podcast with you, uh, Nick. Cheers. Yes, cheers. Cheers to that. Another pyramid snow cap. So mm. let's rank this motherfucker. Let's rank it. We learned favorite a Favorite part of the show. Yeah, we learned. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, daddy. You're those empty clinking oh. bottles. Daddy's we- in his recliner and he can't get up to get another. <laughs> We learned a lot. Honestly, Ryan was a fantastic interview. Yeah. The beer really was delicious. Like, 
I know this is airing, but like the 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 interview ended, and I was like, "This is going to sound cheap, but this is one of my favorite beers that I've drank on this show." It honestly is wonderful. Yeah. So, it's and on today, we're recording this on the winter solstice, the shortest day, shortest day of, the, of year. the year, the day to be depressed. Really, no, it's and the best day of the year. Every well, sure. day beyond be, this gets longer. Sure. I live in the moment and I can be depressed right now. I don't have to look ahead to the, the longer days. So I needed a winter warmer to warm me up and get me out of those winter days. Yeah, and this absolutely was. It's heavy alcohol. It's perfect for the holidays. Uh, it's a great beer. I, I it think, was, yeah. So we, we have been recently tearing the beering. And so we've we've gone from Russia, Russian radioactive to the deplorables to wild card to cream of the crop. This is clearly in cream of the crop territory, right? Mm. Um. What was cream of the crop? Where did it come from? Uh, Deschutes of Ohad Red, Old Disputin, Golden ba- Rodenbach Grand Cru, Red Hook ESB, Elysian Night Owl, Pumpkin Ale, Spotted Cow, Session Premium Lager, and Lagunitas Nighttime Ale. So we kind of unfairly took these three as one, right? So we, the Pyramid Snowcap Winter Ale, the uh, Pyramid Brewers Reserve Super Snowcap Imperial Winter Ale, which is kind of, as Ryan described it, like it's just like amped up snowcap, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a bit twisted. A little bit twisted. And then the Pyramid Bourbon Barrel Aged Snowcap Imperial Winter Ale, which was which really can, wonderful. We got to get a picture of that one by God itself. damn, That's was it beautiful. beautiful. And it if tasted- you don't get that it, thing away from me. <laughs> hey, hey, There's no telling. Hey, you're not getting behind that wheel. It, it, it tasted every bit as good as the the label is beautiful. It really, it really is wonderful. I This is better than the Lagunitas Nighttime Ale. This is our- yeah, this so we're doing the three in one, the Russian nesting doll of of cold cans, but not at the Russian uh, no, radioactive. No, it's not radioactive. It's at the opposite yes. end. It's the Russian nesting doll, and for that reason, like the combination of these three things, this is the way Ryan described it too, where you're like lubricating yourself with the pyramid snowcap, and then eventually, like pairing with your dessert is the super snowcap imperial, and then all on its own after after the dessert, after everything's over, you're sitting by the fireplace. All the kids have gone to bed and. You need a little something for and daddy. Daddy's got his bourbon barrel aged. God damn! If that's not our new number one, yeah. All right. Well, how could it not be? You know, it's it, got to it be. It takes the time over nighttime ale. The time for nighttime is over, folks. Oh, it's the winter solstice, indeed. Well done. Well, do we have any uh, parting words of wisdom for our listeners in the new year in 2018? I would say, no, we don't. <laughs> I would say. To those listeners in 2018 looking for uh, a bit of a re uh, a reshuffle uh, for their lives, a, a, a bit of a re-ranking, um, look here and look look no further. Have cheer, because Cold Cans will be back. We'll be stronger <laughs> than ever in just one solid week. It's Cold Cans Nation! <laughs> The Cold Cans Podcast is recorded in the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington. Visit cloudstudioseattle.com 